0: And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Okay, well, it is November 3rd, 2020. This is the day. The day where a lot of folks are going to go to the polls and vote. Uh, I know probably about half the country voted by mail or went early in-person voting. I did that, my wife and I, we went in-person to vote uh, last week. I didn't want to do it by mail. I don't trust that. Um, I'm sure it's most will probably get through, but I just I wanted to make sure that my vote was put where it needed to be, and Lord willing, it'll get counted. As <clears throat> so we both did that, and I know a lot of folks did. But today, a lot of folks are voting. My, I know my brother Jason. He's in Missouri. He went to uh, posted on Facebook that he was in line, and he was about 300 yards from the, po- uh, the place to, to cast the ballot, and more people were getting in line. Oh, man, so I'm glad I went early. <laughs> I don't want to have to wait in those lines today. And I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous at every election. But, man, I'm really nervous about this one. And everyone agrees, uh, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, this is a decision on what direction our country will take. Uh, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to. Usually, I don't say who I'm going to vote for or tell you this or that or the other. Uh, we are. If you're a Christian and you know the Bible, you know God's will. But I think this is so clear cut, obvious, what you ought to pick. And I'm just going to show, give you one reason why there's only one choice to pick. One side says that abortion is okay. In fact. It's okay even after birth. Even after birth. They haven't publicly said that, but they, in their voting record, you can see it. And the people they surround themselves with let you know that. But even if they didn't, they're for abortion. They're for killing innocent children. And the other side is against it completely. I'm against it. In my mind, that's murder. And it's wrong. So I don't have to say the name. You know what I'm talking about. So you know who I voted for. And uh, that's that's the deal right there. Now there's a lot more to it and people can say, well, what about this? I don't, you know, that's fine. And we can argue those things too. But that one, that one is a deal breaker for me with any candidate. Any candidate. If they're for abortion, I'm against them. I'm against them. So we need to vote we need to vote and uh who's it going to be now i think we should know today i'm sure uh, there's groups out there that are going to try to prolong this and put it off and say this or the other there's no reason there should be no reason we we're, we're not stupid people in this country we have we can count things quickly and, and accurately and if they try to put things off, that's, in my mind, red flag. That's a red flag. They shouldn't be doing that. All right, but this is not a political show. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Bible. And what I want to do is you're going to hear a lot of negative stuff out there today, a lot. So I want to encourage you today, 4 o'clock. Now, I record these early. I'm actually recording this uh, today, this morning. And you'll be listening to it at 4 o'clock, so most of the polls on the east side are closed. 4 or 5, 6, yeah, 7. So I, they will be closing, and results will start trickling in at this point. But I want us to think about who we really are, our heavenly citizenship. When Paul wrote the church in Philippi, he emphasized that concept Of citizenship. And this was due to the fact that the people of Philippi were very proud of their Roman citizenship. And so he reminds these Christians that they have a greater citizenship in heaven. And that's why I want to talk about this. I'm very proud of my American citizenship. I I feel so blessed, oh, so blessed to be in this country. We should all be filled with this blessed. And I'm proud of being an American. But I should never allow that citizenship to trump, pardon the pun, my heavenly citizenship. Paul writes, Philippians chapter three, verses seventeen to twenty-one, brethren, join in my in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into confession with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Now, the original name for uh, the city of Philippi was Crendis, and that meant the little fountains because there were numerous springs nearby. The region of uh, Crendis was rich in deposits of gold and silver. All right, right? Philip of Macedonia You may recognize that name. If not, I'll tell you who he is in a moment. But he recognized the value of this region. And so in 356 BC, he annexed the territory, enlarged and fortified the town of Crendis and renamed it Philippi, which means pertaining to Philip Philip of Macedonia. Well, that's not arrogant. And he began working the mines with such energy that he secured more than a thousand thousand talents of gold and silver every year. Wow, man. So with this newly acquired wealth, he began to enlarge and modernize the Macedonian army. That was his, as well as increase the boundaries of his country. Yet his military campaigns and expeditions were expensive and he discovered the fine art of bribery. It is reported, uh, he is reported to have made the statement, no fortress was impregnable to whose walls a donkey laden with gold could be driven. He sent this gold out like an advanced guard, and with it opened more gates than all his battering rams and catapults. The territory expansion began by Philip has continued on uh, continued on, I'm sorry, an even larger scale by his son, and here's someone you will definitely recognize. His son was Alexander Alexander. The Great. So, <clears throat> two centuries after Philip founded this city, Philippi, Rome conquered Macedonia and divided it into four political districts. By and by, this time the gold mines they'd been exhausted. Philippi had been reduced to a, a small settlement. But in 42 BC, there occurred an event of such proportions that it would change the complexion of this ancient city. Following the assassination of Julius Caesar, there was a struggle for authority among Roman leaders. In vying for power, there was an historic battle that took place at Philippi in 42 BC. On the one hand, there was Brutus and Cassius who defended the Roman Republic and on the other side was Mark Anthony and Octavian. Now, just a little side note, Mark a- uh, Anthony, that's the guy who liked uh, Cleopatra. And that's who I dressed up as for Halloween. I was Mark Anthony and my wife was Cleopatra. But we didn't end it like they did. And so Mark Anthony and Octavian, they were on the other side. They desired to avenge the death of Caesar. After two fierce engagement, Anthony and Octavian were victorious. Go, Mark and Brutus and Cassius were dead. I shouldn't say go, Mark, because uh, I agreed with Brutus and Cassius. They wanted to save the Republic. Anyway, later, however, Octavian wanted to be the sole leader of the Roman Empire. Mark Anthony, by this time, distracted by the Egyptian queen, Cleopatra. And battles between Anthony and Octavian ensued. Both Anthony and Cleopatra soon realized the hopelessness of their cause and they both committed suicide. Octavian became the emperor of Rome. His new name was Caesar Augustus, and he claimed to be a god, and the people came to regard him as a god. Philip, or I'm sorry, Philippi, was then made a Roman colony. As such, it was a a Rome in miniature, a reproduction on a small scale of the imperial, imperial city itself, Often referred to as a Rome away from Rome. <clears throat> Her inhabitants received the full rights of Roman citizenship. This is what that included. They, were free, they had freedom from scourging, freedom from arrest, except in extreme cases, and the right to appeal to the emperor himself. Even though they lived in a colony of Rome, the citizens of Philippi had their names enrolled on the register in Rome. Wow. That's awesome. So the pride of being Roman became evident throughout the city. The language of Rome, which was Latin, was adopted by Philippi. The citizens loved to dress in the style of the Romans and kept up with the latest Roman fashions. Insignias of Rome could be seen throughout the city. The coins of Philippi bore Latin inscriptions. The inhabitants of the city enjoyed the protection of Rome from her enemies and were exempted from paying tribute to other countries. It was like it was likely, I should say, in the year of fifty AD, so we're, we're further along now, that the when the apostle Paul he first arrived in Philippi. And he was there because he had seen a vision from God. And in the vision, he saw a man pleading for him to come to Macedonia to help them. That's in Acts 16.9. There was no synagogue in the city, but he found a place where there were women gathered for worship. And he taught and baptized Lydia and her household. Uh, That's also in that same chapter. He cast out an evil spirit from a slave girl. But this infuriated the masters who were making a profit from her. That, and the spirit that possessed her. And so uh, Paul landed in jail, yet, even here, Paul had opportunity to speak the gospel to the jailer, which uh, resulted in a baptism of him and his whole household as well. And it is obvious when you read Luke's narrative there in Acts 16 that the spirit and atmosphere of Philippi was Roman throughout. Luke specifies that Philippi was a Roman colony in verse 12. When the slave girl's owner appealed to the magistrates uh, of the city, uh, they claimed Paul was violating Roman law. And when it was discovered that Paul himself was a Roman citizen, whoa, man, the magistrates became very nervous because they feared that Rome might be displeased with them. If it got out that they had imprisoned a fellow citizen unjustly. Remember, you can't get arrested except for extreme cases. And that was not an extreme case. Philippi never wanted to offend Rome. They didn't want to. So they wanted to be like Rome and they sought the approval of Rome. So when Paul writes his letter to the Philippians... It's now the year 61 A.D., and he's been imprisoned in Rome, not because of what happened in Philippi, but the Jews in Jerusalem. And uh, he appealed to to Caesar. And, And one of the truths, though, that Paul wants the Philippian Christians to grasp has to do with their citizenship. So this is why I gave you all that backstory. Paul wants them to see that they are a colony of heaven, And as citizens of Philippi, they knew what it meant to be a colony of a far-off city. He wants them to adjust their vision away from Rome and to now focus in the same way on heaven. He wants them to have the perspective that they are citizens of heaven, like the patriarchs of old who were Looking for the city whose architect and builder is God. That's Hebrews 11.10. They are to focus on heaven during their years on earth. Whenever a Christian turns his eyes toward heaven, he will begin to see his life in the here and now as a stranger and exile on earth. This is the way Paul viewed this realm. His heart was not uh, uh, here, but in heaven. He was always he was always on a journey a journey home and he urges his fellow Christians to follow his example Paul had a great concern for some who did not live up to the standards of heavenly citizenship he spoke of them even weeping just as Jesus wept over the lost condition of Jerusalem and these were Christians who lived for this realm whose eyes were turned away from heaven and he describes them in our text in these five ways number 1 They are enemies of the cross. Uh, The cross declares uh, to the world a doctrine of self-sacrifice, right? But these false Christians, Christian teachers there, they live for themselves and they refuse to deny themselves anything they might want in the world. The cross stands as the great antagonist of all who are worldly-minded. Number two. Their end is destruction. Although they had been baptized and, and they go to worship, they were still worldly-minded people. And they are not, not going to be saved on, on that. Number three, their God is their appetite. Now that word appetite, that's the Greek word for belly. So their priority in life is what Paul saying. Their priority life uh, and the real object of their devotion that is their self-indulgence. Whatever tastes good, and fills their tummy. That's what he's talking about. Number uh, four, they set their minds on earthly things. They live for the moment, for the here and now. They belong to the earthly order of things. This is where their interest lies and where their thoughts are centered. This description typifies the ancient Romans who gave themselves over to ever gratification of the flesh. We might also note that it sounds very familiar to modern citizens of America. The Apostle wanted these Christians at Philippi to change their perspective. He wanted them to see themselves as citizens of heaven. And this concept is taught throughout the New Testament. We are people who were born from above, John 3, 1-5. Our names are inscribed in a heavenly register, Revelation 20, verse 15. Our lives are governed by a heavenly standard, Ephesians 5, 1. Our investments are laid up in heaven, Matthew six twenty, And our inheritance is reserved for us there, 1 Peter 1, 3-5. It is because we are heavenly citizens that Paul can say that we are eagerly waiting for the Lord. We live in a colony. We are citizens of a land far away. But there is one coming from the fatherland. He is coming for us in order that we or that he, I'm sorry, he might take us home. Christians, us, we are people who are looking for something. We are waiting for someone to come. And, and and we take no pride in this realm. We shouldn't. We have no roots here, nor nor confidence or glory in the earth. We are waiting for something better. Now, do we want something better in our uh, uh, for for this election in our in our future in the next four years? Well yeah, that's why we're voting. And we ought to. But even if it doesn't go the way we want it to go, don't forget who you are. As citizens of heaven, we are presently forced to endure the hardships of being assigned to an outpost of our heavenly city. Life is not easy out here away from home. And that's because we now exist in a body of a humble state. Our frame is dust. We are susceptible to all the distractions of this realm. It is not easy keeping our eyes focused on heavenly things while in this earthly body. It takes grit and determination to keep a proper perspective of who we are. We are so prone to the desires of this realm in which we now live. Our bodies are a vehicle of sin, and we struggle within to keep ourselves free from the contamination of this foreign soil. So, we eagerly wait, don't we? We long to go home and be done with this war of flesh and spirit and to complete this pilgrimage. We are Anxious for a transformed body that the Lord will give to us. It is a body that will be suited for an eternal and sinless existence with Him. He is coming back for us. And we can hardly wait until He arrives. That's because we are always, right, always looking toward heaven. It is amazing that in these modern times, you know, we have witnessed the fact that so many people want to come to America. Many, many will risk their very lives to get here, and the simple reason is this: because they have a vision of life in this country that is, in that vision, is superior to their own homeland. If you and I, if we could gain the vision Paul had of heaven then we would see how wonderful it is by comparison to what we have in this earthly country. If we could see heaven as he saw it, we would never be happy with the prospect of remaining here. Paul was moving toward heaven. He could genuinely proclaim, for me to die is gain. He would prefer to die. If he had his choice, he was anxious to go home. We can get so distracted by the glitter of this realm that we find ourselves looking away from heaven and forgetting the journey home. It is possible that we can actually fear dying simply because we do not want to let go of what we have in the here and now. It has been, what, almost 2,000 years, right, since Paul wrote his letter to the church in Philippi? Today... Having Roman citizenship, does that carry any kind of clout in the city of Philippi? or I mean, in, the, in this world? No. What, what about the city of Philippi? Where is it? Well, it lies in ruins, right? The things in which the citizens of Philippi took pride in, they don't exist anymore. It was temporary. And that is also the reality for our American way of life. It's temporary. If we could only see things as Paul... We could also live as Paul lived. And all, all the glory of this realm meant nothing to him. He left behind such earthly pursuits as wealth, position, power, prestige. He left all those behind when he put on Christ. He dropped everything that he once sought after and turned around and began walking home with his eyes set on heaven. In less than 100 years, no one will think much about you and me. They won't care about what kind of car we drove or what kind of house we lived in. They could care less what kind of condition our clothing was or the size of our bank accounts. That won't mean anything to anybody. In less than 100 years uh, of people listening to this this program, if they ever listen to it, you know, we'll be long gone. This It will be forgotten by all those who are trying to impress our earthly accomplishments. So let us then refocus our attention to what is truly of value and never-ending. Let us see ourselves as citizens of heaven and drop the mad pursuit of the affairs of this temporary world. Let us follow Paul, who followed Jesus, all the way home. And we should always remember that today's election day in America. We should know today who won. If not, we'll know we'll know soon enough. And let's say it doesn't go the way you want. Let's say it goes in a way where you think all all's lost. Oh man, everything's going to be horrible. And uh, if it goes a certain way, I think if it goes a certain way where it doesn't go the way I want, I should say I will think that I will feel like it's going to be hard on us. It's going to be horrible. But guess what? It will be pretty bad for about two years, because in two years there will be another election. There will be, and we can not for president, but you know for Congress, and we can get the votes in again, and try again. And if it doesn't go our way, well, there will be another vote maybe, if we're still alive. But guess what? Guess what doesn't change. God is still on the throne, right? He still sits there on the throne. I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 6. It says, In the year of King Isaiah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And The Lord of hosts. Now, prior to this, I, uh, when Isaiah King Isaiah died, Isaiah was troubled. What are we going to do? Our king died. What are we going to do? And so God gave him a vision. And what was the vision? God sitting on the throne. It doesn't matter who becomes president. I mean, it matters to me. I mean, I want I mean, it matters in the sense of where we want our country to go. But it doesn't matter because, in the sense that God is in control. It may not go the way we want. It may not go the best way that would be for us and our family. But God is still in control. And that will always give me hope. Let's follow Paul, who followed Jesus all the way. Sin and doubt to sweep away till she on the better day. Bring it out, Bring it out, bring it, it, it out, till the sinful world be won for Jehovah's mighty Son. Ring it, out, ring, it out, ring, it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.